everybody and welcome to Across the Spectrum, our regular podcast series which is linked to the conferences that take place as part of the Global Spectrum series. Today's episode of the podcast is the third and final edition which was recorded live as part of the discussions at the recent European Spectrum Management Conference. The focus of the discussions today are going to be around fixed wireless access and as you'll uh, see in a minute, we have an excellent lineup of speakers coming from different sides, from mobile, obviously, from satellite as well, and our moderator, who is uh, Philippe Lefebvre from the European Commission. As I said, really interesting discussion. So, uh, so without further ado, let's hear what they had to say. Thank you, Dan. Uh, delighted to be with you this afternoon. Our main goal in this session will be to better understand uh, the market potential of 5G as a fixed wireless access solution, and in particular, why it could be uh, a game changer and what is the feasibility and the economics of deploying fixed wireless access with 5G. We have the chance to have uh, a lot of practical experience in the panel. Uh, I will start by asking a few questions to our panelists and then turn to the chat later for the questions from the, the audience. Uh, and I will introduce the panelists as we go along. So I will first turn to Sean, Sean Bolger, who is founder, chairman, and CEO of Imagine Communications Group. Uh, Sean must be financially independent by now because uh, he is a serial entrepreneur. He started his first telecom venture in 1989, soon after he took on the Irish state monopoly. For those who remember, it's, uh, it was um, Telecom Iran. Then um, after that, he became the first real competitor to them and he went on into an acquisition fever. He bought 13 companies in nine countries. Uh, he launched the first ever uh, commercial MVNO in 1998. And then Imagine Communication started, was established in 2003. So more recently, uh, you have secured a, a 3.6 gigahertz license in Ireland and uh, Imagine Communication has become a pioneer in the deployment of uh, uh, 4G and 5G fixed wireless access solutions as an alternative to FTTX. So, Sheen, as you as you have not been completely wrong for the last 20 years in business, we are interested in your views on 5G deployment because it, you might be right again. So, I will ask you, um, as a dedicated uh, FWA operator, what do you see as the impact of 5G on the competitive landscape for the next generation broadband uh, access? You're muted, uh, Sean, I believe. Sorry, apologies. Um, yes, well, we have had some success, but like every business and, and every entrepreneurial business, we've also had some challenges. And, and those challenges really come about taking on the industry, taking on the norms and, and what people perceive to be the norms. So I suppose from the fixed wireless point of view, we saw the opportunity in terms of the requirement for new infrastructure for uh, next generation broadband. Uh, the challenges that will be faced by the current incumbent operators in terms of upgrading their networks from copper to fiber, and very much the development of mobile and the mobile technologies moving from the 3G to the IP 4G standards, and then the future capacity of 5G. So with that in mind, we basically set about acquiring a number of businesses in the fixed wireless uh, industry. We bought the two largest companies in Ireland, secured the 3.6 spectrum, before it was allocated for 5G and uh, launched WiMAX as, a, as an introductory product. Uh, we quickly looked at the development and uh, set about uh, developing, designing, 
quite a new type of network. Uh, fixed wireless is all, uh, quite uh, normally referred to as a hybrid model, an opportunity for mobile operators. One that they can use additional spectrum in rural areas, for example. Uh, we see it as quite different. We see 5G as way beyond mobile, both in terms of private networks and lots of different um, vertical business models. The specific and key one we saw was fixed wireless access. So the opportunity with the ability to deploy faster at a lower cost, if we could match the user experience of fiber, we saw that and we see that as a significant commercial opportunity uh, with the first to market advantage. So we've deployed a network designed from the ground up and optimized 4G advanced LTE network, which has now been upgraded to 5G. Which, and when we say it's fully dedicated, it is 100% dedicated to fixed broadband. And by doing that, we have created a network which now performs equal to and provides a user experience equal to fiber. And that is including the COVID pandemic uh, where our results for our customers and our users matches the experience for fiber to the home users in the market. Thank you, Sean, uh, for your introduction. Now I will turn to um, I will turn to Stefan Taylor. Uh, he's the CEO of Coleago Consulting. So I don't have to introduce, of course, Coleo um, Consulting. It's the telecom management consulting company that we all know. But I do need to highlight Stefan's impressive experience. Um, he's a truly global manager, having spent time in Canada, the US, in the Middle East, Africa, the Far East, not yet in the Arctic region, I understand. He played a role in uh, also launching Nechma, the, the third Algerian GSM operator. And, and then Stefan worked on over 90 spectrum valuation or auction projects on all continents. So he knows the price of the megahertz in all shapes and forms. And in this consulting business, he's also often whispering in the ears of many regulators uh, who want the cash in big billions in the, in the spectrum auctions. So uh, Stefan, is it correct to assume that most uh, fixed wireless access business will be in rural areas? Um, where the spectrum is more available? Or could we think of a 5G fixed wireless becoming also a new competition to fiber, uh, especially with the millimeter wave solutions in more densely popula populated area? Uh, so what is your view more globally on the future sub-markets of uh, fixed wireless access in, in the 5G uh, era and their respective uh, importance or sizes? Yes. Well, thank you for that question. Um, yes, it's, it's not so much that the spectrum is more available somewhere. The, it's really that the spectrum is equally available everywhere in the country. Uh, but the mobile need for spectrum is very high in dense urban environments. So this is where you have to serve area traffic capacity in terms of gigabits per square kilometer. Uh, you will note that uh, when you look at the IMT 2020 diagram from the ITU, area traffic capacity is, is one of the parameters there. And so if you go to a rural area, you don't have that mobile traffic density, but you still have the spectrum. So what can you do with it? Typically, uh, there are coverage obligations, mobile obligation, coverage obligations. So there is already a cell tower in or near a town and the mobile operators have the spectrum, and I'm talking about mid-band spectrum, 
uh, C band and maybe at four gigahertz and six gigahertz. And all they need to do is pop that spectrum on the existing tower uh, and uh, they can they have sufficient capacity to provide a good user experience because we must, of course, understand that fixed usage is higher, uh, much higher than mobile usage. Um, and uh, so you need considerable capacity, but take a town or village like God in France, uh, 2,000 people as an existing tower, you just pop it on there and you can serve the people. So that's really where I think this is very useful. Clear, yes. Uh, yes, of course, uh, Spectrum is available everywhere, I understood, but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's a question of uh, traffic load. Uh, differences. Um, now I turn to Dr. Mohanet Yuwad, who is the Senior Manager Spectrum Strategy at Intelstat. Uh, as his title hints, uh, Mohanet is a leading figure uh, of Intelstat's uh, long-term st spectrum strategy uh, with over 10 years of experience in the satellite field. So before moving uh, to Intelsat in uh, 2016, uh, Mohanet was with Advanti, with Avanti, sorry, also working on Spectrum and the licensing activities, and he was also involved in ITU, CPT, and with the other joyful regulatory bodies uh, that we know. So he knows the art of Spectrum planning inside out, as well as the art of negotiating with the authorities. Uh, so, uh, Joad. My, my question is about uh, Spectrum this time. As the number one satellite operator, are you concerned with the likely coexistence uh, between fixed, the fixed terrestrial service and the fixed satellite service in the same frequencies? And uh, what regulatory and technical measures are needed to reassure your industry? Alternatively, would there be a compelling need for specific frequency band to be dedicated for fixed wireless access? Thank you, uh, Philippe, and uh, greetings to everybody. It's an honor, as always, to be here uh, with uh, such a distinguished panelist. Um, just um, a clarification, uh, I'm also here uh, on behalf of SOR. Uh, I'm the uh, co-chair for the Working Group for SOR, which is a umbrella organization of um, all the satellite operators uh, in the Middle East, Europe, and uh, generally in, in Region 1. I'm happy to be here, and um, thank you for the introduction. Very kind of you, Philippe. Um, so in order to answer your question, I just want to just agree, first of all, with what Sean mentioned in his uh, opening remarks that uh, 5G is beyond mobile. It's an ecosystem of different technologies. As a satellite operator, we believe, as always, that an ecosystem that includes a mix of technologies will ultimately be the greatest efficient use of spectrum that can deliver services to, to the customer. So, for example, this is why FS... FS in terms of fixed service and the FSS in terms of the fixed satellite service has been able to coexist together using the same band for decades. Um, this, uh, for example, allowed FSS to provide um, much needed backhauling um, bandwidth to cellular backhaul for, for mobile services, but also to the fixed uh, microwave links. Uh, where satellite has complemented the backhauling uh, uh, or um, the bandwidth for, that's needed particularly in, in outside urban areas. However, this balance of coordination between the FS and the FSS uh, is allowed to uh, grow because of sound regulatory measures that were taken 
uh, in Europe. For example, in Europe, we ensure that the application of the FS is limited to point-to-point -point trunking types of services. Um, so that's why in Europe, FS is co-primary with FSS uh, and it's used for high capacity trunk networks. However, when you introduce point-to-multi-point uh, -point applications for the FS, which is shared with the FSS services, this immediately results in interference, uh, which as a satellite operator, we have observed in first hand really where point-to-multi-point -point links have impacted uh, TTH services, this is direct to home TV channels, um, where the services have been impacting the viewers and you really can't put a value on the impact if you are missing a, a global sporting event such as a, a World Cup or a Formula One Grand Prix, um, which we look forward to seeing this weekend. Um, and this is because the point to multi-point emissions of fixed wireless transmitters, they overload the FSS receivers and they bring them into a non-linear or a saturated operation state. So we know that FS point to multipoint is not possible or is very difficult to coexist when they are sharing with FSS. So what's the alternative? Well, to answer your question, one possible approach is to enable FS point to multipoint in bands which are used for uh, between FS and MS. So these are bands such as 4.4 to 4.5 gigahertz, there is some ranges in the 7 gigahertz, in the 40.8, in the 22 gigahertz. There are uh, other bands where co-primary FS and MS coexist. In other words, if you avoid the overlap uh, between FS and MSS, where point-to-multipoint -point services are, uh, are used, that, that's one way forward. And we can also try and limit the, the, the power of the fixed wireless uh, um, that's needed to, only to ensure that the link budget is met and no excess power is used um, and to minimize uh, the link distance. So ensuring there is a, 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 a set limit of links distance between each microwave tower. Such measures are um, possible to allow coexistence and avoid interference to, to the FSS services. And I just want to also compliment what um, Stefan mentioned that um, supporting that the mobile has an obligation to deliver services in, in rural areas. But we're seeing that the mobile or the MNOs find this very difficult to do because of the economic feasibility for them to deploy uh, services in, in towns or, or small villages. It's not economically feasible for them. So there's certainly a role where uh, fixed wireless access can play a part there to bridge that digital divide as long as they don't interfere with the satellite services, that is. So I hope that answers your question. Thank you. Thank you, Mohanet. Sticking to the spectrum um, question, but seeing it from a different angle from the market uh, entrance viewpoint, I'd like to, to ask Sean, uh, how do you see the importance of allocation of spectrum for facilitating new entrants, new competitions to you, maybe also an open access operator for the development of the wider 5G market uh, opportunity. You, you are muted, I believe, Sean. Apologies. Um, again, I think it's absolutely critical for from the point of view of the overall development of 5G and the whole 5G ecosystem. I think as things stand today, from a commercial investor perspective, when we were looking at the market opportunity, Obviously, securing spectrum is critical to be able to deliver the kind of quality of service that we provide. 
we're now an active participant in the market. We are competing directly head to head with fiber to the home. Uh, we are delivering a service that our customers are getting up to 500 gig usage per month. Um, and it is creating positive competition in the market. Uh, this can only be achieved by a dedicated network. Uh, it cannot be done on a mobile network. You cannot, you do not achieve the spectral efficiency capacity uh, required to deliver a home user experience. The average mobile usage in, in Ireland is about 56 gigs per month. Ours is 460 gigs per month. So you're talking about two completely different products and services. The issue for us was that Spectrum was not allocated specifically for new entrants or specifically for fixed wireless. And yet the fixed wireless is a critical commercial uh, technology and service in the market today, an essential service for large parts of the market, not just rural areas. Our issue was very simple. By, by competing directly with fiber, we could secure the market. Therefore, we could justify spending the money on the spectrum. So we, we competed in a competitive auction and on the basis of the fixed wireless opportunity, while other opportunities across 5G are yet to be developed in terms of private networks, fixed wireless is a commercial opportunity to gain market share against the incumbent operators and with the time to market advantage over, over fiber to the home. But you cannot do that and you will not be able to deliver that type of service in a country without dedicated spectrum for that purpose. Um, so you're looking at a network today, which has a basically 95% 64 qualm, 70% 256 qualm, delivering a 300 meg broadband service. Um, you cannot do that on mobile. You cannot allocate unless you allocate specifically the spectrum required. And that's not gonna happen with mobile operators because mobile operators, while the argument before was, uh, he who pays the most will use the most, it doesn't stand up for 5G. It will end up being a blocker to the development of the market if you do not have spectrum allocated for new entrants. I believe Ireland is behind on that. If Imagine had not entered the market, if we had not brought in large infrastructure investors as part of the program, we would not have been able to afford to enter the market. We are now a critical part of the market. We are accelerating the deployment of high-speed broadband across rural Ireland. And that wouldn't happen unless we made, took that big commercial risk. That's not something that can be left to chance in other markets. What you are seeing in other markets like Germany, where the regulators acted to allocate spectrum, you're going to see a far faster rapid development of private networks and other vertical business uh, opportunities. So I think the allocation of spectrum, allowing the mobile operators who are the effectively the incumbents uh, owners of spectrum to dictate the pace at which the 5G ecosystem will develop is a dangerous strategy and one that the European Commission needs to look at and regulators need to seriously consider because markets that do not allocate a spectrum will run the risk of, of waiting for mobile operators to choose to use spectrum. As Stefan said, it is a choice of the operator where the operator has deployments already in rural areas where they can add fixed wireless to an already deployed site, but it's a choice. It's not really a driver for them to actually invest and provide services that are essential. So in summary, I think it, it is critical that we allocate spectrum for new entrants. And I would argue that fixed wireless is probably the biggest commercial opportunity that investors can invest in today. 
there's a clearly defined market, clearly defined market opportunity, which justifies the investment in spectrum. I appreciate it. You mentioned the similarity with the, the German, for example, situation with community uh, networks, or but in, more generally, for for allocation of spectrum for for private networks, is not only a technical issue; it's also a market issue because these players do not operate in the same markets as a wide, large uh, public uh, mobile operators, uh, public network operators. So. Uh, that's certainly an issue that we are aware of, and I can tell you that internally uh, we are uh, discussing it very seriously to see uh, what could be a way forward. And that, um, yeah, we will certainly uh, try to find a, a solution uh, in this area. I think, I think yeah. as, a, as a new entrant, we are more likely to exploit those opportunities as, as an open access provider. So, mm -hmm. what you will imagine if, if you consider imagine has uh, has been successful in identifying trends we are building a national 5g network which is more specifically driven by fixed wireless in rural areas obviously additional spectrum will be acquired on which we will be looking to deploy uh, open access capability and and partner with people uh, in the private sector as well so um, I think there should be credit given to and, and consideration given to operators who, who will invest in infrastructure and provide open access. Clear, clear. Uh, you also mentioned the uh, competition or the, the, the link to FTTH, to fiber. So I'd like to turn to Stefan, to Stefan and ask if, from an economic viewpoint, could you um, compare investment in 5G fixed wireless access and in uh, fiber in FTTH, especially in, in both rural small towns and villages. And in other words, can we, can we describe where would be the cutoff point beyond which FWA should, be, should offer an economic advantage over fiber? Can we already say that now? Are you are muted, uh, Stefan. When you look at the cost of deploying fiber, there's some very good studies by the FTTH Council. You can see that in a rural environment, it's per home passed uh, by a factor of 10 higher compared to an urban environment. And so it's that cost differential, which means there's really a bit of a sweet spot for FWA in a rural environment. That's number one, it's a cost. And the second one is scalability. If in a village you wanted to come to a village as an FTTH operator and you say, I offer FTTH, you really have to run it down every street. Uh, so it, the home's past is a considerable cost. And then uh, you don't know how many people are taking it. And that's completely different with uh, uh, FWA because if you have an existing tower and you pop the infrastructure on there, you can offer it with, to anyone within that village regardless in which street they're located. So it's that scalability uh, which gives it an advantage as well. Um, and you know, where, where's the cutoff point? I mean, there are some villages which already have fiber and so on. It really depends very much. And I note that in France, there's a willingness to build fiber to, to deliver the European target of 100 megabits by building fiber to every single premises, even if they are uh, uh, in rural areas, whereas you look at uh, Sweden, where they are technology agnostic in doing this. And I 
think to be technology specific, I say, I need to say it has to be after FTTH is perhaps a bit of a waste of money. I mean, yeah, um, and I mean, Sean's network is working without subsidies. So, uh, whereas everybody else is talking about subsidies to deliver broadband connectivity in rural areas. So, you know, that tells you something, I think. Uh, thank you, Stefan. I have a question for for uh, Mohammed, but uh, I see from the chat that there is. I still would like to to complement a little bit or to go a little bit further on this topic because on the chat uh, there is an interesting question about the long term of uh, fixed wireless access. The question is that is if fixed wireless access in five G ever can be considered as a long term solution? Is it a risk that it will be left behind in terms of speed? Uh, that it can achieve when we go to gigabit speeds beyond 5G, uh, will fiber anyway be the only, you know, eventual solution? So what is the perennity the, of the investment? And then I will turn to Mohan, but that's a question for any of you. Uh. Yeah, I, I think we, we made the calculations and uh, with, uh, when the requirement is one uh, gigabit per premises, uh, with current technologies in using, say, upper mid-band spectrum up to uh, 7125 uh, gigahertz, uh, there isn't enough spectrum to deliver this. Um, 300, maybe, and this is funny enough, what uh, Imagine is delivering. I, I think this is sort of where the limit is. So uh, uh, long-term, one gigabit, I doubt it. Any other reaction on this point? Sh Sean is on mute. Sean, yeah, okay, I see you speaking. Sorry. Yeah. I think um, I mean, we're looking at the wrong issue here. Um, I mean, we're talking about gigabits and 10 gigabits. First of all, we're already doing delivering, uh, we, we only promote 150 meg at the moment. We're already capable of delivering 600 meg. Um, it's all about additional spectrum. Um, so going where we are today, if you look at the average demand, people talk about speed. Speed is a fallacy. It's about quality of services, about latency. I mean, speed and fiber to the home has been driven by a reaction to cable companies coming into the telecoms market. If you look at the average actual usage per user per month, per simultaneously in the average home, it's about 20 meg. I mean, we're talking about, you know, completely fictitious numbers here. Regardless of that, it's all about the amount of spectrum that you have and the spectrum efficiency. Today, you can deliver 300 meg broadband service with 60 megahertz spectrum. With 120, you go to 600 meg megabits. So this goes way beyond what people actually require today. Of all of the fiber to the home deployments, the vast majority, over 95% are 150 meg. So we, we need to, you know, the industry needs to face up to some reality here. Most of this by governments, by the industry, is it's industry driven. It's industry driven as a reaction to the cable companies. And that is the actual reality. And we're, we're overselling something, we're overpricing something. And as Stefan has said, a lot of money is going to be wasted in fiber to the home deployments. Most so whether... Whether it's long-term long or not, it also depends on how fast you can depreciate the investment, how commensurate the investment is 
taking into account the, the, the period during which it will actually operate and provide service. Exactly, and look at the, the roadmap for 5G. I mean, we're talking about, at the moment, we're talking about one gig, we're now talking then 10 gig. I mean, it's like an arms race. And the reality is delivering service to customers. And right now, today, customers couldn't possibly use more than 100, 100 meg. And there isn't a service or application out there that you can tell me, and anybody can tell me, which will consume that amount of data. Yeah, so yeah. I... Yeah. I, I I agree. This this sort of gigabit society uh, is really uh, somewhat inappropriate. I would say, to put it mildly, um, it's, it's it's nonsense. So to yeah, to to change a little bit of subject, but staying with the market opportunities. Uh, now I turn to Mohanet and. Um, Satellite is often seen as uh, as the victim service, and particularly in the, in the uh, in this uh, fixed wireless uh, access uh, use case, you are a victim service. However, do you see uh, potentially a victim service? Of course, it depends which bands will be used. But however, do you see a contributing role for the satellite uh, industry uh, in terms of uh, providing? service in the context of fixed wireless access whether it's for back backhauling or preload content or is there any business case for you there absolutely um there's definitely a business case and as, as a satellite industry we're always looking at the innovation and, and how we could capitalize on uh the industry's innovation um but it really depends uh if you are a victim based on what regulatory measures are adopted so it is very critical, for example, to ensure that the, the regulators are aware of how they can deploy fixed wireless access and in what bands they are. I just want to add that as a satellite, uh, the key attributes for, that we bring into this table is irrespective of where you are from an urban area or a, a, an exchange uh, box, uh, the delivery uh, of satellite signals does not increase in price as it were for a terrestrial um, or fiber type of um, infrastructure where it really, the economical sense stops at certain distance from an urbanized area and it doesn't become feasibly economical to deploy terrestrial services. That doesn't exist with satellite. So that key attribute plays an important role in how we can backhaul. For example, we are one of the, as Intel said, one of the biggest cellular backhaul providers in Africa, other parts of the world, to the, to the MNO. So this is a critical uh, service that we're, 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 we're bringing to the, to the uh, terrestrial uh, technology. So, um, and now with COVID, you know, uh, as been highlighted, people are working and studying from home and this results in unprecedented um, growth in global internet traffic. Um, and in some countries, there has been an increase of 40% from the previous years in terms of the, the, the traffic users. So, uh, whilst it's too early to determine whether, you know, fixed wireless access is going to be a long-term, um, you know, uh, solution, I think it does def definitely has a role and an important role to play, provided that it actually deployed in the right bands so that it does not interfere with, with other services. Um, therefore, encouraging establishment of modern regulatory structures, uh, putting obligations on terrestrial network operators to ensure that they share their infrastructure, uh, will be important as well. And uh, another key role where satellite brings uh, a, a benefit is 
for the likes of Netflix, YouTube, and Amazon, where they're restricting video streaming quality globally in order to reduce their network ingestion, that's where satellite can play a role in terms of local caching or preloading content during off, um, you know, uh, busy hours. Uh, that caching content could be dumped into the network uh, for the viewers to 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 pick up on on the on the next day. So there are definitely a role to play from the satellite perspective. Thank you very much. I had the last questions for the eight minutes that we have left. But I see that there is another, maybe better question from the attendance. Maybe I'll combine both, and you you pick what you, uh, which one you want to to answer. Um, the question from the audience is that it seems that the the, the public authorities have a bias against uh, fixed wireless access uh, as compared to fiber deployment. Uh, some, at least, some in some countries. So, do you share this view and? Uh, Maybe it's something to be done at commission level uh, to to address this. Uh, my question, uh, I also put it, but it was about mobile, the, the, the future of fixed access using the, 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 the vanilla uh, mobile uh, um, service. Don't you think that when the mobile service becomes better in terms of quality of service, that you have these directional antennas and so on? Um, the two markets will blur. You will get finally fixed service from the from the mobile uh, from the mobile service uh, directly, and that will undermine the case for dedicated fixed wireless access. So maybe we cannot answer everything here. So if one if you can pick one of the two, uh, each of you, and try to stick to the uh, the six minutes we have. Yeah, maybe I can start by addressing this. It really depends on the country and the policy that is being adopted. If you prescribe a technology, that will always be less efficient than allowing for market-based solution, which identifies the lowest cost of achieving your policy objective, which might be the 100 megabit connectivity. And as regards mobile networks delivering fixed usage, if you, if you like. This is already the case in Finland, which arguably has uh, the best uh, 5G uh, network in terms of capacity and speed in Europe. Uh, the, the, the proportion of uh, households that are now uh, wireless only, i.e. mobile only, uh, is fairly high and growing. It probably depends on the market segment, but a single person household, students, that sort of thing, you get many people who have ditched the fixed line. So it is very much um, a question of um, where, who, and, and not a one size fits all. Uh, take France or the UK, where the government have, has effectively subsidized the mobile industry to build uh, rural coverage by reducing the license fees or, or not charging any spectrum license fee for renewal. Um, in exchange for rural deployment obligations. So the business case for FWA is, when you look at the cash flows, the investment is already there. You're only looking at the incremental cash flow. Whereas if you go for pure FWA play, you, your business case in, in includes the entire cash flows. And this is where the difference is. And, and I, I understand, of course, and Sean explained this, that a dedicated FWA network from a technical perspective 
is better in terms of spectral efficiency, but it's that interplay between the economics and, and the bits per hertz. And should, is, is, are the public authorities um, betting against you sometimes? Uh, you feel that they prefer fiber from an ideological viewpoint almost? Well, not, not in the US. The Rural Opportunities Fund is technology agnostic. Canada, technology agnostic. Sweden, and I guess many other countries are technology agnostic. France isn't, but, uh, you know, that's a policy choice. Sometimes the satellite operators tell us that even if we are technology neutral, uh, or governments are, in practice, uh, the specification make them a bit less neutral, or the, the regulatory conditions. Um, for example, from a competition viewpoint, when we look at uh, the step change that represents, you know, when there are public subsidies, uh, we, we have to look at how, uh, if there is a market failure, but also if is the solution, uh, what is the, the, the robustness of the solution on the long term and things like that. And, and then the criteria needs to be uh, to be appropriate. And uh, there are lots of discussions about whether or not we had already this discussion in the previous decades uh, when when we compared also 4G at the time to, 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 to fiber uh, and also satellite solutions. Uh, some, some felt that, that, that the, the competition landscape was not, the level playing field was not always um, achieved as, as, as hoped. Absolutely. I, I think we see that in, in terms of the policy. Sometimes, some, uh, as, as Stefan mentioned, some regulators don't always take a technology neutral approach. Uh, but my, my advice to the to the European Commission would be that there are frequency bands available for broadband fixed wireless access on a technology neutral basis. Some of them I've mentioned, but there are others such as the 86 gigahertz, which have been already looked at. Whilst there's above 100 gigahertz, this is envisioned for the near future as well. With improvement in technology, that, that's definitely a possibility. But that has to be led by the policy from the uh, European perspective, but also from the ITU perspective, where it has to show that usability is done on a technology uh, that encompasses an ecosystem amongst um, uh, different types of technologies. Uh, and my last message would be that if you are to deploy point to multi-point services, especially with using adaptive antenna systems, this should not impact the deployment of uncoordinated ubiquitous FSS terminals and coordinated FSS terminals. Therefore, we need to provide this certainty to our industry to enable both technologies, FWA and others, to, to thrive and to ultimately deliver the services that uh, Imagine and, 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 and such as Intelsat are delivering to, to customers. So, thank you. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, we have to close the, the panel uh, now in one minute. So I would like to, to thank you again uh, for having shared your know-how free of charge. So knowing how much, how, how high your fees are usually. So we appreciate it. Uh, and I think that most of us, we, we know, know more about fixed wireless access than, than, than before this panel session. So again, thank you very much. We leave you here and we hope that you can enjoy an early weekend start now. Thank you. Thank you very much.